You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the good fight of faith. You know, a lot of people think that as believers, our primary work is to fight the devil. Um, We do resist the devil, but fighting the devil isn't really necessary because Christ already fought him for us and he defeated him. What you and I have to do is learn to operate in the thing that reinforces his defeat. I operate in faith. When I operate in faith, I am recognizing his defeat. And we'll explain that throughout the rest of this week. But I want to turn you to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to start reading with verse 3. We'll go to 4 and 5. Uh, he says here, Paul does, For though we walk in the flesh, we live in a body, we do not war according to the body. We don't fight a natural physical fight. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, as the King James says, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, a careful reading of these three verses, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5, will show us that there are four stages to the thought war that you and I are called to fight against the enemy. And uh, they're given in reverse here. The first one is a stronghold. Satan does not work with you uh, or work at you with a stronghold in the beginning. That's where he wants to take you, but he doesn't begin with that. Uh, The second thing is imagination. He doesn't come at you first with imagination. He uses your imagination, but he doesn't come at you with that first. Then there is the high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Again, he doesn't begin with that. But he starts with this, a thought, every thought. It is just a simple suggestion one that may seem even harmless, but he wants to begin a conversation. So I want to show you this in the very first temptation, because you can see these four stages in the temptation of Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now the serpent, Genesis 3.1, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, by the way, people want to ask me, do you think there was a literal serpent? It really doesn't matter. The fact is the devil is working here, and we're paying attention to exactly how he worked because he's working the same way that he worked thousands of years ago. This is still uh, important to us. Uh, The devil said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And keep this in mind. Your temptations will be centered upon what God has said to you. And this, again, is Scripture confusion. We talked about this yesterday. If you have no Scripture in your life, if you're not walking with God, Satan won't bring this up to you. But because Eve was aware of a command that God had given, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
The devil came to her to tempt her regarding that. That's where he comes. And so I, I remember not having some of the confusing thoughts that I had when I became a believer. I didn't have a problem with that while I was a sinner. Satan didn't want to trouble me with those things when I was a sinner because he owned me lock, stock, and barrel. But when I became a follower of Christ, he began to come at my mind in a way that I had never experienced before. So this is what we're talking about. He came to Eve with a simple thought. Has God indeed said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, that may seem like an innocent statement, uh, but Eve could have immediately quoted the word accurately. She didn't. She said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, that's not accurate. She added to the word of God. She was confused about what God had said, and that's why Satan continued, because he could tell she didn't really have her ducks in a row. And so the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now, the reason he did this, this is an escalation. This is a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's a thought that directly contradicts what God said. That's the second thing that the devil comes with. He brings that to Eve. Again, she does not refer back to what God said, nor does Adam step in. Then he goes to step three. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now what's that? Satan is now playing with her imagination. And he wants her to imagine this new state of consciousness that she and Adam will arrive at if they only eat the fruit of this tree. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, so she sees all of these things she has bought into the lie. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. Now guess what? Now they are at stage four. They are now caught in a stronghold. That's what happened. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, New King James. Adam was not deceived. He, he understood everything that was happening here. And he stood back and listened to it all without interrupting. Uh, but the woman was deceived, and she fell into the transgression first. Adam went into the transgression as well. Uh, but he did it knowingly. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. There is your stronghold. They're caught in a prison. And they fell into a prison of death. And they immediately died. Now, not physically, but spiritually. They died. The light went out. And we know that there's a manifestation of the death. And that's fear. The first manifestation of uh, the wrong nature of death is fear, and they hid from God. They were ashamed because they saw their nakedness. They began to hide. They covered themselves with fig leaves. And so this is the first manifestation. We think of, of uh, uh, hatred as the opposite of love, but it's not. It is fear that is the opposite of love. Perfect love casteth out all fear is what John wrote. And so what I want you to see from all of this is that Satan 
wants to take us on this step-by-step spiral downward. And it isn't an immediate step into darkness. It is four different steps. First of all, there is a, a simple thought. If it is not resisted, he goes to the next thing, which is a thought that contradicts the Word of God, which goes to the third step, which is imagination. And once that imagination lingers long enough, most people will go ahead and take the step into the action, which leads to the stronghold. Those are the four stages of bondage. And all of these things are in your mind. It's not some spiritual battle that we're fighting out here in the spirit world. It is something that's going on in your mind. Now, now make no mistake, there are things in the spirit world that are throwing these thoughts at your mind. But your mind is the theater of operation. It is the battleground where we fight. Now, the best resistance to temptation is to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. I've been saved for a long, long time, and I, I found something in the last few years that has really helped me in my ability to resist temptation. It's so important that you employ, listen to this, it is important that you employ the Word of God in your resistance. A lot of people think that they can resist temptation simply by thinking positive thoughts. Positive thoughts are great. You need to think positive thoughts. But that is not your first step. Your first step is to employ the Scripture. And this is what you see Jesus doing. He immediately employed Scripture and things based on Scripture when he was hit with these negative thoughts. So when you hit, get hit with this thought that doesn't obey Christ, I take captive that thought to the obedience of Christ. The longer that you linger and your doubtful thoughts, the more likely you are to succumb to them. So the best way to respond is immediately speak the Word of God, put Scripture to work, and let the enemy know you are not going to let this negative thought go unanswered. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, I want you to see this principle here in 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now Paul is saying here that the power of resistance and the power of energizing your faith is in speaking words. A confession is repeating the Word of God. And we'll get into this later, but uh, the word confession means to say the very same thing. Well, you're saying what God has said. When you confess Scripture, you say Scripture, you are confessing. Uh, confessing means to repeat something somebody else has said. Uh, so rather than come up with your own answer, why don't you employ God's answer? That's what Scripture is. You confess uh, a good confession. Now, that's how we fight in faith. Satan wants to pull us into another arena. He wants to pull you into the realm of thoughts. And this is where he wins. When you think about it, the devil has argued with men for centuries. And when he comes at you with thoughts and invites you into the thought realm, that doesn't mean that we don't think. It doesn't mean that our faith is not rational. It is rational. But engaging Satan in thought for thought will not defeat him. The way that you defeat him is by answering him with the Word of God. He has no defense for that. Now I want to show you this in the book of Matthew chapter 16. 
Jesus has asked his disciples, uh, who do men say that I am? And we know that Peter answered it correctly. And he said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that's Matthew 16, 17. And so he tells Peter that, that he is strong because he has received revelation knowledge. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the Word of God. Now shortly after this, Jesus took these men into a new dimension of understanding about what he was sent to do. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, this means that Jesus had not, up until that time, shown them the importance of his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, they didn't know much about that. Uh, he had not told them that. He waited till they had seen the goodness of God in him, the power of God in him to heal, this, the, the visible sign of God's approval upon him, the presence of the Holy Spirit with him. Now that they've seen all of this, he then explains to them something that will be a little bit more difficult. He says, I will be killed and be raised the third day. Now look at verse 22. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now Jesus was not calling Peter Satan, but he recognized that Peter had yielded to Satan. When this thought of crucifixion came, immediately Peter had troubling thoughts about it, did not want to see that happen to his Lord, did not realize that the crucifixion and resurrection was the key to his own salvation. He didn't recognize that. So he is used by the devil to discourage the very purpose for which Christ was sent to the earth. And Jesus didn't spend an hour or two thinking about an answer. Immediately he had an answer. Now this is so important because you need to have an answer. You know, uh, uh, the scriptures tell us that we're to have an answer, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Well, that's not just something that we do when we're talking with human beings. It's also something we do when we're speaking to the spiritual forces of darkness that have come against our minds. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I are to be so aware of devils that that's all we ever think about. But trust me, there are going to be times when the devil does speak to you, comes at you with negative thoughts, and at that point in time it's totally appropriate to speak God's word to him and to let him know, I am not accepting what you say. If you think this is crazy, then Jesus was crazy because Jesus spoke to Satan and rebuked him and he quoted scripture to him. That is the first response that you give when you are fighting the good fight of faith. And it's an effective response because you are releasing a sword 
from your mouth, one that Satan is very much afraid of. It's all the time I have for today, but we're going to continue this. We'll pick it up tomorrow. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.